You ever notice that every time you take your car into the shop that they always have something they suggest that you do to maintain it, to keep it sort of going? How many of you ever noticed that before? They always have something they want you to do. They say, if you don't do this, if you don't fix this, repair this, man, things are going to fall apart for you. You're going to have major problems down the road. And here's the thing. We always act surprised when they actually suggest that to us. In, in other words, we don't comprehend that this very complex thing called an automobile, which by design is meant to need maintenance, when they say it needs maintenance, we go, what? It needs maintenance? Wow. Now, I bring all that up because relationships are the same way. Relationships take work. Relationships need some, some maintenance to keep them going, but yet we act Surprise, like, oh, I just thought that I do means I'm done. You know, I, I got married and now it's all, it's all good to go. We're, we're good. But it doesn't work that way. And so that's why we've been doing this series for the last couple of weeks called Next Level Love, where we're looking at if you're single, how do you stop dating jerks? How do you get out of that cycle of just like one person after another after another? And you're like, how do I always get myself into a situation like this? And then for those of you that are married, we're looking at how do you actually like have a good marriage, a marriage that's going to last you till death do you part? How do you take that marriage to the next level? And then what I've been sharing with you throughout the series is there's like two primary resources that we're using for this series to help us. The first one and always is the word of God. And there's a scripture we've been looking at throughout the series. It's found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. The Apostle Paul, he, he says this. It's on the screens there for you. He says, in your relationships, what does he say? You need to do what? You have to have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. We've got to get the thinking of Jesus when it comes to our relationships, not the thinking of TikTok or Twitter or what Hollywood movies are talking about. We can't look at what does, you know, your, your coworker that's on her third marriage, what she says about marriage. That isn't who you want to go to. We don't even go with what our own gut has to say. We look at what does the word of God say? What is the mindset of Jesus when it comes to relationships? What does Jesus say? What does the word of God have to say? And then that's how we're going to end up living out our lives in our relationships, taking our love to the next level. Now, the second resource that we're using throughout the series is the, the research and the, the writings of a Christian psychologist by the name of Dr. John Van Epp. And again, for over 20 years, he's been researching singles and, and dating and marriage and relationships and what does that all look at like. And again, since he is a follower of Jesus, he is taking the mindset of Jesus and saying, what did Jesus say about these things and how do we apply it and make it better? So he came up with this really cool thing. It's called the RAM, the Relationship Attachment Model. And we've looked at it the last couple of weeks that there's five areas here that sort of how a relationship progresses. And this is any relationship. This isn't just our romantic relationships. This is any relationship. First, you get to know somebody. And then once you know them, it's like, okay, can I trust them or not? And then once you trust them, it's okay, can I now start to rely on them? And if you can rely on them, now 
do we want to make a commitment of some sort? And then once you have a commitment, then that's when appropriate touch would start to come in. Now, what we've discovered in the series for singles is what happens in our society is if you think of this as a slider, a lot of singles go right from no right into let's have sex together, right? They've skipped all this middle stuff here. And then they wonder, why don't my relationships ever work out? Well, it's because you didn't know if you could trust them and rely on them and commit to them. Now, for married couples, what we've been saying is, look, this has to be, you know, you're not ever going to get everything to a perfect 10 here. And so what happens is, you know, things are going to go down from time to time. And what you're really trying to do is you need to find a balance. How do you get balance so that everything is progressively, hopefully, working higher and higher and higher and higher? And so what we've been doing in the series is we're taking one week where we're looking at each and every word. So if you missed any of the series so far, go to our website, exponential.church. You can go to our YouTube channel. You can go to our Facebook page. You can catch up on everything. Because the first week I talked about this word of no. How do you get to really know someone better? I gave tips for both singles and for those of you that are married. How do you get to know your spouse even better. Because remember, if we stop getting to know our spouse, then all these other things are going to end up going down. And then last week, I talked to you about trust. How do you, after you get to know somebody, how do you get to start to trust them a little bit more? Again, I gave tips for both singles and for married couples of how do you grow in trust. And I talked about what happens when your trust is broken. Like there's a major thing that's happened. Somebody's run up a bunch of credit card bills or maybe there's an affair that's happened. How do, you, how do you regain that trust if you're the one that broke somebody's trust? And if you're the person who got hurt, how do you go about like offering forgiveness and then trust back to them? And so again, if you missed any of that, make sure that you catch up with that. Today then I wanna to talk to you about this word of rely. And really when it comes to reliance on somebody, there's one of two extreme camps that people tend to fall into. So let me explain those two camps to you. And I'll start out by asking you a question. How many of you have seen the movie Jerry Maguire? You ever seen that one? It's been a, it's been a while since it came out, but those of you that maybe missed out on that movie, uh, Tom Cruise, he plays this sports agent by the name of Jerry Maguire, and he is like just obsessed with his work. He is driven to just succeed at what he's doing as an agent even if it means losing his marriage. And so for most of, the, most of the movie, he's like just striving and striving and striving to make sure that his clients are being taken care of, but his wife, who's played by Renee Zellweger, she's being neglected to the point that she's like ready to leave him. You know, this marriage, is, it's, it's just done. But then towards the end of the movie, he sort of has this epiphany that, wait a second, what am I doing here? I, I need to... I need to go back and win this woman that I, I love so much. And so he decides he's going to go find her. And she's in this like group of, of women. And they're all just like complaining about guys. And we don't need guys and all that kind of stuff. And she's just bent down to pick something up off the floor when he sort of barges into the room. And he goes, hello, hello. Has anybody seen my wife here? And she stands up and he sees her. And then in front of like this room full of people, he starts pouring out his heart and through tear-filled eyes, he's like telling her, no, 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 I, I need you back and everything. And then he says one of the most iconic lines found in any romantic comedy ever. He says, you do what? Who knows it? You, you complete me. 
And then she utters back an equally famous line. She says, shut up, shut up. You had me at hello. The women in the scene, they're all there, they're crying. You're in the movie theater, you're crying. Some of you, as you're listening or you're watching online today and I'm retelling the story, you're crying right now. Because there's this part of us in our hearts that we go, I just want somebody that's going to complete me. If I could just have somebody like that. You know, you, you singles, you're like, if I could just find a, a soulmate, somebody that would complete me, then life will be good. But here's what I put on your outline for you. If you're taking notes here today, there's some bad news. And it's this. If I rely on someone else to complete me, then I'm going to be extremely disappointed. Let me say that again. If you're relying on somebody else to complete you, you're going to be extremely disappointed. I don't care how much romance novels talk about it. I don't care how much Hollywood tries to give you this myth. It is just that. It's a myth. If you're looking to a romantic partner to complete you, you will be let down. Because from a theological standpoint, only Jesus can complete you. All of us do have an emptiness inside of us. All of us have a void inside of us. But another person cannot fill that for you. Only Jesus can do it. You know, my wife Lisa and I, we've been married for 28 years now, and we dated for two years before that. So for 30 years, I've had her in my life, and I can tell you that I am more head over heels in love with her today than I was 30 years ago. But here's the deal. She does not complete me. There's things in my life that she just doesn't do for me. And I know some of you are going to find this is a complete shock, considering... but I don't complete her either. <laughs> There's things that I don't fulfill her needs. Another human being will never, ever complete you. And when we have an unhealthy reliance on a partner to do things that they were never designed to do nor intended to do, our, our love is never gonna go to that next level. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. In the context of this series and what I'm talking about right now, don't let Hollywood fool you with their empty philosophies and this nonsense that somebody else can complete you. It just doesn't work. Only Jesus can do that, and here's why. Look at verse 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Jesus is God in the flesh, and it's from him that we get our very best thinking and our very best understanding about what it means to have a relationship with somebody else. And then we read this in verse 10. And God has made you what? God has made you complete in Christ. Look at that. How are you complete? By your partner? No. How are you complete? Say it out loud. Type it in the chat. How are you complete? Only when you're in Christ, when you have a relationship with Jesus. You've asked for his forgiveness of your sins. You've asked him to come in and be the leader of your life. Then you are complete, which is actually good news for those of you that are single. 
Because the world and other people, and maybe even yourself, say, you know what, if, I, if I'm not in a romantic relationship with somebody, if I haven't gotten married, then there's something wrong with me. I must be broken in some way. But again, this is good news. In Jesus, you are complete. You do not need another person to make you complete. Only Jesus does that for you. Now, that doesn't mean that it's wrong to desire a romantic partner. Just realize you are already complete. All right, now let's go to the opposite end of the spectrum then. Let's talk about, you know, the other camp. Because there's the you complete me camp. And then at the other end, we have the people that go, I don't need anybody. I'm my own person. I'm doing my own thing. Or in the words of that great theologian Kelly Clarkson, you're misindependent. But listen, we aren't called to be independent. It's just simply not how God has designed us. And where I see this happen so often of people taking on this whole thing of, I'm just going to be independent, I'm going to do my own thing, I don't need anybody else, is after like somebody has a, a breakup or maybe they've gone through a, a divorce and they're like, I, I'm just done with the opposite sex. I, I, don't, I don't need it anymore. I'm not going to rely on another man or another woman again. From now on, I'm doing everything on my own. But look at what I put on your outline. God did not design me for independence, but rather interdependence. Again, God did not design you for independence. He designed you for interdependence, meaning you need other people. And this isn't just a romantic type of thing. This is everything. We need, first of all, and, and foremost, a relationship with Jesus, but we need more than just a relationship with Jesus. Even though he completes us, we need more than just that. We were designed for interdependence with others. No more deeply does that play out than in a romantic relationship, and specifically then in a marriage. Think back to the creation account. God has created Adam. Everything is perfect. God and Adam have this, this relationship where they're walking daily there in a beautiful garden called Eden. There is no sin that has yet happened. Adam is complete in Jesus. He's complete in his relationship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Completeness. But yet, look at Genesis 2.18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And so I will make a helper who is just right for him. And so you were designed for a relationship, again, not just with your spouse, but with other people as well. And so this whole idea of I'm going to be my own man, I'm going to be my own woman, I'm just going to be independent is 100% unbiblical. We need each other. Now, let me ask you a question. When it comes to these two camps that I've talked about, you have that one camp that is the you complete me camp, and then the other camp would be the I'm just going to be independent. Which one do you think that our society tends to sort of lean to. How many of you think it's the you complete me camp? How many of you would say that? You complete me is where most of the people in our society are at? All right, a couple of you. How many of you would say it's the other one of too much independence? All right, people putting your hands up for that one as well. The answer is, I think it's actually both. And it depends on are you single or are you married? See, I think what happens is when you're single, you lean into that camp of, oh, I need another person to complete me. 
And then once you get married, you tend to drift into more and more independence and doing more and more on your own. In other words, you're not relying on your spouse as much, and all of a sudden you just become roommates with your spouse because you stop getting to know them, you stop trusting them, and your reliance just sort of goes down as time goes on. So, again, if we're going to really know people more and and trust them more, what's that going to look like then to ultimately rely on them? Well, I want to talk to both those of you that are single here today, and I want to talk to those of you uh, that are, are, uh, are married. So for those of you that are single, remember that the ram here gives us this great model of relationships, of how they should progress. And I mentioned this throughout the series. This is anything. This is a new friend. This could be a business partnership that, all right, I'm getting to know this new potential business partner. And then can I trust them? Can I rely on them? Do I want to sign a contract with them, make a a deal with them in some way? And then appropriate touch of whatever that may look like. All right, so again, singles, this this applies to to anything. But when it comes to this thing of, of reliance, why does it often tend to go down? Why do we have trouble with relying on people? Well, I, again, I, I see it all the time. When it comes to singles, you're sort of in that camp of, I need somebody that's going to complete me. And especially after a bad breakup or a divorce, you're such emotionally unhealthy at that point that you need somebody and you just rush right into the next relationship and you overly rely on somebody to to try to help pick up the pieces for you. And a lot of times I'll see this even like if it's uh, somebody and they had kids and now you're a single mom or you're a single dad. You're just looking for somebody to help you to pay the bills and then somebody to help you to raise your kids. And so you start to rely on somebody way, way too much before you've really gotten to know them or know if you can trust them or not. And so this reliance is really, really high. So basically it looks like this, you know, you you got to know them, you probably went right into the touch and now you're relying on them and you've skipped these other things here. You're going to be in a really, really bad spot. Because once about, you know, six months or a year goes by and you're in a better emotional state than you were, you may realize, ugh, I really can't trust this person. And I don't want to make a commitment to them for the rest of my life. But now you've been relying on them to help pay the bills. You've been relying on them. You know, the kids now, like, think it's another mom, another dad. You're like, oh, man, I don't even love this person. Yet now I'm stuck in a loveless relationship. Or you decide to break up with them, and now what happens? Emotionally, you're right back where you started. You see why we got to work through this in the proper progression and not get out out of order here when it comes to these things? We can't rely on other people to fulfill a need in our life that only Jesus can fulfill. And so here's my suggestion. For those of you that are are, uh, single and you've just gone through a big breakup or maybe you've gone through a divorce, here's my suggestion. Wait at least one year before you start to date again. Wait one year 
allow yourself to heal emotionally and mentally. There may be even some spiritual healing that needs to be done as well. See, you do not want to walk into your next relationship with a bunch of baggage. So here's how I put it in on your outline there. In my dating relationships, if I haven't healed from my past, I won't have health in my future. Now, the, the question then becomes for those of you that are like, okay, I, I'm actually in a very healthy state right now. What, what does it look like for reliance in, in my relationship? Because maybe I'm, maybe I'm doing it God's way, right? And so, uh, so far, you know, I've gotten to know the person, and, and I, I think I can really trust them. You know, now I'm looking at how do I get this slider, you know, and, and we're keeping things appropriate. You know, it's, it's pure. We're not doing all this stuff over here. Uh, how do I get this reliance thing to go higher and higher and higher? How do I know if this is somebody that I'm eventually going to get to the place where I can rely on them so much that now I'm thinking about, do I want to make a commitment to them? How do I, how do I know that? Here's the very, very simple thing you can do. Look at what they're currently doing and that's probably a gauge of what's going to happen in the future. Just look at what they're doing and realize you're probably getting the very best version of them that you're ever, ever going to get. Dr. Van Appy actually talks about that in the, the two books that I, I read in preparation for this series. And he says that, look, is there like give and take in your relationship or are you always just giving and giving and giving and giving? Or is it always you're doing what they want to do and going where they want to go and you're eating what they want to eat and hanging out with who they want to hang out with? He says, look, if you're already doing that now while you're dating, it's only going to get worse once you're married. But now they're going to do it without you. And it's this whole thing of independence then. And he says... Take those things in your dating relationship that you don't like about the person you're dating, those little things that maybe annoy you, and realize that it's going to get magnified once you're married. It actually gets worse once you're married. And the flip side is true as well. He said, look, the things that you like about them, that's the best it's ever going to be. Because once you get married... They're not going to take you on dates anymore. They're not going to open your car door anymore. She's not going to continue to put makeup on every day to you know, make herself look good for you. So what you got now in dating is the best it's ever going to get. Unless, unless they're a follower of Jesus. And this is why Paul talks about it, and I've talked to you about it a lot in the past. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should only be dating and then eventually marrying somebody that is also a follower of Jesus. Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Remember, we've talked about that before. What is the yoke? It's that piece of farm equipment that you put over the necks of two like animals. So two oxen, they work together. Two horses, they, they work together. But if you put an ox with a goat, one is way bigger, way stronger, and they're just going to domineer the whole thing. 
So Paul says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Because it's just simply not going to work out for you. And what Dr. Van Epp is talking about is, look, if you date and then ultimately marry somebody else that's a follower of Jesus, and you're a follower of Jesus, and both of you are seeking Jesus with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you're each and every day seeking to become more and more like him in your character and your conduct, if you'll do that, actually your marriage will get better. It'll get better. Not because you're necessarily even working on your marriage, it's because each of you look more and more like Jesus. For any of you that I've ever done your wedding or you've been to a, one of the weddings I've done, I always use this illustration that a relationship is like a triangle. God is at the top, each spouse is here. And a lot of people think that, you know, in the, in the triangle here, that the, the goal is let's grow closer and closer to each other. But no, 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 no. The goal is each of you individually grow closer and closer and closer to Jesus and by default, that brings the two of you together. So that's how you have a, a better marriage. That's how you rely on your spouse more and more. And how, as a single person, you, you figure out, can I rely on this person? Figure out, are they first and foremost relying on Jesus? Do they know Jesus? Are they trusting in Jesus? Are they relying on Jesus? Because if they're doing that, then they're going to do those same things. For you. So again, singles, you have got to look at who they are now, because it's probably the best it's ever going to get, unless they have that relationship with Jesus. All right, let's flip it over then, talk to those of you that are married. Again, if the singles, their danger is to be in that you complete me camp, as married people, the, the, the extreme is, oh man, we've just become independent of one another. We've just become roommates with one another. And you never intended for that to happen, but it just sort of happens. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 19, verse 5. He says, and this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are what? The two are united into one. Now, some translations here would say that the two become one flesh. And when people hear that, they often go, uh, Jesus is talking about sex there. You know, one flesh, it's just about coming together physically. But no, Jesus is talking about more than that. When he talks about being united, the two become one, he's talking about mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and yes, physically as well. But in every way, we should be becoming one with our spouse, which means that we need to rely on them more and more and more and more. We've got to depend on them. We need them. But the reason that so many couples struggle with this is, and we talked about this back in week one, is to really rely on somebody means you have to know them and trust them. And as we've shared, men and women are just created so differently. We communicate differently. We think differently. We act differently. And because marriage then takes work to get to know and trust this person that God made so different than me, we just go, you know what? It's just easier for me just to do it myself. I'm not even gonna try to get to know them and figure out women. I'm not even gonna try to figure out men. I'm just not even gonna do that. But again, if that no goes down, the trust has gone down, the reliance has gone down, 
And again, if that's going down, the commitment to one another is going to go down, and the touch is probably next to nothing. So we've got to work on this, this communication. I talked about that in week one. You've got to communicate. You cannot over-communicate. You just keep talking and talking and talking and talking. Get to know them more because the more you know them, the more you're going to become one. And the more you are one, then the more you trust them. And the more you trust them, then the more you're going to rely on each other. So talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And that's my tip for you that are married. Continue to communicate. Because what you're going to discover is that most of the time, you didn't have all the right answers to it. And they didn't have all the right answers to it. You know where the answer lied? It was somewhere in between. But if you're just doing your own thing or they're doing their own thing, you're never going to come to God's solution. You're never going to get to the best thinking. So we keep communicating, we keep communicating, we become one. We truly rely on each other. But that means it's hard work. Remember I started the message out talking about cars and maintenance, that we act surprised that cars need maintenance. Your marriage is the same way. It needs constant maintenance. You're always talking and and trusting getting the tires rotated and inflated and, and, you know, you're getting your oil changes. That's what this is. You're maintaining your relationship. And think about it. When it comes to a marriage relationship, there's a lot of things that you need to be on the same page about. Sex, money, parenting, budgeting, you know, where we're going to live, careers, and so much more. And it's hard to appreciate the perspective of somebody that God has made so vastly different. And so that's why many people just give up and they stop trying. They're like, well, I'll just do my thing, you do your own thing, and we'll just continue to live together. But we can't do that. So here's how I put it on your outline. To rely on my spouse will require me to seek first to understand before I'm understood. And I took this right from, uh, you know, one of the most famous books of all time, which is The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey wrote it, and this is one of the seven habits. Seek first to understand before you seek to be understood. Seek first to understand, then to be understood. And you need to do that with your spouse. As I said earlier, oftentimes the full truth lies somewhere in the middle, and you need to rely on them to get to the best thinking in order to live the best life possible you can have and to take your love to the next level. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 22, Solomon writes this. He says, plans go wrong for lack of advice, but many advisors bring success. Here's what I want to say about your marriage. Don't just learn to rely on your spouse for a better marriage. Learn to rely on other Christian couples as well. See, you could be doing very good in the rely when it comes to you and, and your spouse and your marriage, but then be independent of other couples. But you can't do that either. What did Solomon say here? Many advisors is what brings success. And so that's why I tell you all the time, you need to be in a life group or you need to have a, a couple other you know, people that you're doing life deeply together with. 
So I said earlier, we are not called to a life of independence. We're called to a life of interdependence. And that comes as you as a couple. The two have become one. And now as a marriage, you're not called to a marriage of independence. You're called to a marriage of interdependence. You need other Christian couples in your life that are going to help you with the ups and downs that inevitably come in each of our lives. That's the only way our marriages are going to go to the next level. Now, as I wrap up here today, I want to uh, sort of encourage you this week to really think about where are you on that spectrum that I've talked of today? Are you at the extreme of, oh, you complete me, and, you know, I need you, and I'm not fulfilled, I'm nothing without you. Is that you? Are you at that extreme? Are you at the opposite extreme of, my own man, I'm my own woman, I'm just going to do my own thing? Again, each side of that is wrong. It needs to be there in the middle. We need interdependence, not independence. So evaluate yourself on that and then take whatever appropriate steps God may be asking you to do. Again, if you're a single person here today, let me just remind you that nobody else is going to complete you. Nobody but Jesus. And the person you're dating, you're probably getting the very best that you're ever going to get. And so before you get to this place of making a commitment, make sure you really know them, trust them, and can rely on them. Because apart from a relationship with Jesus, everything's just going to get worse. But with Jesus, everything's going to go to that next level of love. And then for those of you that are married, let me just again remind you, communicate, 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 communicate. Keep talking to one another knowing each other, trusting each other, relying on one another because the two are better than one. You are now one, so you need to rely on your spouse. And then again, for all of us, we need to rely on community as well. We're not designed to do life alone. We need each other. And Jesus said the, the each other that I've given you, the greatest of that is my church. See, the church is not a building. The church is not an organization. The church is made up of people. And that's why the gathering together of, of people and loving one another and praying for one another, encouraging one another, and when we gotta confess our sins one another or rebuke one another, that's all part of it. We need to do that together. And that's why I say to you watching online, you know, there's sometimes you have to be online and you're, you're watching, that. that's okay. But you watching me alone in your home, in your bed, in your pajamas, that is not the church. You are being independent of what God has for you in your life. We are to be interdependent on each other. And so again, if you can't physically be here, then invite people in your home. Have people there. Have church right in your house. Again, a building is not the church. Church can be anywhere. But what a church is, is made up of multiple people, not just one, not just a husband and a wife. It's others. You're bringing others into it. So again, that's my encouragement to those of you online. Make sure you're being interdependent and not just independent. All right. With all that said, we're going to wrap up here for today. Make sure you do then come back uh, next week and then the week after that because we're going to continue on as we talk about what this commitment looked like and what this uh, appropriate touch looked like as well. Um, 
And if you're already married, you know, maybe some... No, I'm not... <laughs> no, there is no such thing as inappropriate touch in any uh, situation. But here's the cool thing about sex when it comes to marriage. It was God's idea. It's his gift to us. And so he wants us to enjoy it. So we will take a whole week. I know it's always one of those weeks that people are like, oh, boy, here we go, you know. Um, but... Anyway, somebody said earlier, well, Gilbert's got a button-down one today. We must be talking about a serious subject or something. Nah, I just felt like wearing a button-down today. So maybe that's what I should have done, you know, a serious subject. If they, you know, be a little more uh, uh, pastorally that day or whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, so with, with all that said, let, let's pray together. Father, we uh, thank you for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to gather together each and every week to be your church. And so, Lord, I, I just pray that... Uh, we would continue to, to gather together with one another, to, to be there and with one another, because we are better together. And so, Lord, I, I just uh, pray for our singles that are in our midst, whether they're here, they're watching online. I just pray that, that Lord, they would be progressing through these steps as you would have them progress, not in the order that the world tells them to progress. That, Lord, they would first of all beginning to know somebody and then trusting and then this whole thing of can I really rely on them not to complete me, but rely on them to be a partner with me. Uh, so, Jesus, I just pray that um, those that are single, that uh, I know some of them, they, they may be uh, in relationships they shouldn't be in. So give them the, the courage to break those things off now. Uh, before there's an unhealthy reliance uh, that it's going to be hard to break free from uh, later on. So, Lord, give them the, the, the courage uh, to do that. And, Lord, again, I pray for all of our singles that they would only be dating people that are also followers of Jesus. Uh, we know that that's the only way relationships are really going to, to go to that next level. And so I, I just pray for that um, as well. Lord, for our married couples uh, that are here today, I just pray that they wouldn't become independent of their spouse. They wouldn't become a, a, just a, simply a roommate, but they truly would become one just as you said that we're to be. And that, Lord, they would just be interdependent on one another. But then again, that as a couple, they wouldn't be independent as a marriage. They would be interdependent on other couples. And so, Lord, help some people here today to get those uh, uh, next steps of getting into a life group or, or getting together with just a, a, a couple other couples just to, to do life deeply together. Jesus, we thank you that your desire is that we wouldn't just have a relationship with you, but that we would have a relationship with each other, that we need each other if we're going to have success, just as Solomon uh, wrote there in, in the book of Proverbs. So, Lord, just again, help us to take whatever next step it is that your spirit is convicting us of here today. Thank you for who you are. Lord, I thank you for 28 fantastic years of being married to Lisa and I pray that you would give us 28 more fantastic years and we could continue just to be an example uh, to others of what a healthy and, and a good marriage uh, looks like. And uh, Lord, we just, again, thank you for who you are, all you're doing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.